0: Hey everybody! This is the Nelso Podcast. This is Matt Lottman. I'm here with Dave Dilly with Dilly Insurance Brokers. Dave's been doing our insurance uh, for a few years, and he came to Elite. I don't know, Dave. What do you think? Five years ago, six yeah, years five, ago, five six years ago. Dave was, you know, good enough to come to our shop. He brought an underwriter with with him, and we actually went out on the water. It just kind of showed the underwriter. Uh, you know, here, here's what the dock and lift industry is. Here's, here's what the business is today. Cause nobody knows about it. And Dave, I'm going to ask you like, okay, so what were the biggest things that I, the biggest reasons why you suggested to bring up an underwriter to actually write a specific policy for dock and lift companies?
1: Well, I think the biggest reason is that your business is very different. It's a specialty. Uh, most insurance carriers, are not looking at ensuring barges with forklifts on them that are out in the lake and lifting things. Right, they're, they're just not used to it. So we needed to have someone come out and feel comfortable, knowing exactly what you're doing because it looks scary on paper, and in reality, you're you're very safe and it's a you know your equipment is is built for what you do, and so it, it was important. And they. And they uh, they signed on full force, as you know. Right. Um, matter of fact, we've got multiple carriers now that uh, are comfortable. So
0: what, what company did this all start with? Like, who was that underwriter for? Was that, do they do multiple? I'm a little bit insurance
1: stupid. Yeah, now. it's a Western National Mutual out of Edina, Minnesota. They do business in the Midwest, mostly, probably 13, 14 states. Very good-sized company, but uh, they're probably one of the most willing to listen the story and, and find out what you do and, and try to figure out a way to do it
0: So just explain to the listeners how does it work so you're a broker and you're telling me that insurance companies listen to a broker if a broker's got a specific need they'll actually listen how does that work?
1: Well that's a little difficult. They listen to brokers you know we send them uh, business suggestions and then they might have codes for it uh, you know but when I mean by code they have different appetites when we bring something like you know a shore station provider not your run of the mill so what we need to do is put together a submission a proposal uh, as to how we want to do it why we want to do it and make them feel comfortable that this is a good risk not every company will do it you need a company that you know is open you have have some very unique um, very unique coverages like uh, your watercraft liability you know your barges are on the water uh, most inland marine policies which is where we ensure equipment has a waterborne exclusion so we had to get them to remove that uh, you know there's just just a number of of different um, problems or obstacles to overcome in your business with a standard carry so you need a company that is willing to partner so
0: you say there's there's more than one today so when i first started you, you did your, your pleading with them, like here's their proposal, yep. right. And they jumped on board and now there's multiple, like you can actually price check if you will, and get the proper coverage. Cause that's ultimately in my mind, I, I chose you as, as my insurance provider because of your attention to detail. And just like my dad back in the day, when I went to the fuel store and I just signed on the account, right. Yep. Uh, I, I went with you for many reasons, obviously one of them was that Case in point, you're, you're sitting in, in Andy's office today, right? Correct. And most insurance uh, brokers or salesmen or whatever, right, they, they, don't, they want you to come to them and they're, they're, you're a full-service person and you're, you care about business and you, you're all about customer service and that's, that's why I love you and your, your attention to detail also.
1: Well, I would make one comment on that. Just because a carrier has agreed to, to underwrite a company for me, it's it's not always all equal and i will tell you one thing one of the carriers that we use i if i found out through experience and talking to people that i've looked at probably eight or nine different companies all with the same carrier that we also use and every one of them on their barges had a waterborne exclusion on their on their barge what does that mean well you're covered everywhere unless you put it on the water then there's an exclusion and you're not covered
0: so you go out whether it's because I, I love getting, that's why you're here today, right? We're going to get about specifics. So when I talked to you, you brought up some interesting points, right? So going on the water, you're not covered on the water. If I get in a car wreck, I'm covered, Yeah. right? I go on the water, my barge, that's what it's made for. And I go on the water and I something happens, right? Correct. I, if I tip it over or if I get in an accident with another boat or I do whatever, and it's excluded.
1: On a lot of policies, it is, and, and I have a
0: case in point. I'm not going to throw out any names. Uh, obviously, you know, in the manufacturing business, we get the phone call, and I've known a couple guys where they have had issues, and it has not covered exactly what you're what you're saying.
1: Well, I would, I would, I would tell you this, Matt, is the relationship between client, agent, and insurance company is very specific. You come to an insurance agent to have help putting together. Your, your program what do I need you don't know most people don't really know they might know a little bit but they really don't know the the finer points we uh, make an order I would put it to make it simple we write the order up and we send it to the insurance carrier if I don't put that I want to remove the waterborne exclusion on your barge it's not their job to say hey you should remove that <laughs> yeah right because it's not covered on the water they're going to do what we want they don't think that far ahead. So, I mean, that's where the attention to detail, understanding what you do, how you use your equipment, et cetera, et cetera. That's the difference.
0: Okay, so I'm just going to throw out some terminology that I've heard over the years, and then I'm going to let you just go to town and just ex- explain it, right? So, you know, we all hear horror stories of, you know, I stored 100 customers' canopies in the shed burned down. What do you do, right? So, I okay, garage, Tell tell us the difference maybe a little bit about, uh is it garage keepers garage there's garage keepers garage keepers then what What are some of the other ones so garage keepers well, there's the a Bailey's, Bailey's coverage yep I don't, I don't know what you can do one. it
1: on you can do it on personal property of others depending on how you want to do it there's a difference in coverage okay um you know the funny thing is is you're hitting some of the points that probably started our relationship I think when I walked through your shop I saw all of these canopies yep they wrapped up real nice in the plastic and stacked on the shelves and I asked what they were and well, their clients, we we bring them in and clean them. Well, I think our conversation was something to the effect of where are they insured, and I was I got some sort of answer like I don't know. What do you mean? Right. Well, you had roughly two hundred, maybe. Yeah, two or three hundred at so thousand bucks apiece. Yeah, you yeah. Some
0: of them are twenty eight. I had a right? lot of C marks at that time. So and you're like, wait, so two to three hundred
1: thousand. Yeah. And uh, you know th- they could go back and to somebody's homeowners, but, you know, they get settled on an actual cash value. So what my question was is, hey, Matt, how, how happy if you have a fire, unfortunately, have a fire and all, all of them are wrecked and you have a $300,000 of client's property, what are they going to say when we write them a check for 400 bucks because it was 11 years old? Or you know, or whatever the percentage is, because it was they depreciate it. I said, no, nah, we don't want to do that. We need to put them on personal property of others and insure them to replacement costs. Everybody gets a brand new one. Now you've just saved, you've saved all of your relationships because I know people how oh, they act. They're not happy when they get a portion of what they lost. Their old one was still good.
0: So that that brings up, but we can just stop right there. So that that brings up a very interesting point from. From that conversation on, my brain went, Oh my goodness, I have no freaking clue what half of my customers have for a size. Could you imagine having a fire go and having to drive out to every customer's house and measure their canopy frame? Like, oh my goodness, what a nightmare, right? Yeah. It's in the middle of January and their stuff's on shore and like whatever, right? So from that point forward, I went out that after that, and I went out to every customer's job and I started, hence the whole, doing their, their layout. What size lift do they have? What capacity? What's the width? How big's their canopy frame? Do they have a, a vinyl? Do they have a price fighter? Do they have a C mark? Do they have a harbor time? Do, what do they have? Do they have a weather max? And I would write it all down so that, God forbid, this would ever happen and it would burn down. Number one, am I underinsured or am I properly insured, which is another part of our relationship and starting right. and whatever, you opening my eyes to this, to, okay, if this happens, I know. I right. know what they have. It's it's my job as a good business owner to know what they have. yep It just makes my life easier in the future if something were to happen.
1: And it's my job to come out here and look around and talk to you and find out what you do so I can apply the insurance. Because that conversation, I don't know if you remember this, but that conversation led into... Well, what else do you do? Take me through what you do. Well, we take the boat lifts and the docks, and we lift them up and put them on shore. Well, the general liability excludes your work. Your work is what you're working on. So when you pick up that dock or lift, there's no coverage on the one you're lifting. So there's there's a coverage that we can amend the general liability to cover property damage while you're working on someone's goods. Which so we added that. Yep, and
0: that's... That's in my mind today. Just remembering back, that was a while ago. But that was what we described as okay. I go to the landing, I pick yep. up a brand new at that at that time. I pick up a, a customer's brand new boat lift at twelve grand. Today it's twenty four thousand. Right. Okay, so I pick up a, a brand new lift at twelve grand, and I drive across the lake, and I oops, there it goes in the lake. Yep, that's, that's cargo. That's cargo. Okay, so that's something different. So we we've covered a couple of things here. We got replacement cost, right? Most most insurance agents that I know would. Especially with the canopy, maybe because they don't know, would say, "Okay, well, I'm going to insure you, but it, if you don't have replacement cost, right, on a canopy, they're going to depreciate that asset, and then say it's a twenty-four hundred dollars C mark, but it's eight years old. They're only going to pay you a proportion of that, right? So yep. it's going to be five hundred bucks, and then you have to call that customer, which is why I elected to go to replacement costs
1: potentially. So Matt, re- Matt yeah. well, I got a question for you. Okay, how did you get that boat lift to the to the landing?
0: Yeah, behind a truck.
1: Yeah. Okay. There's another. You drove it down the road. Well, the your truck might be covered, but the product that you're hauling probably isn't. Again, another. It can be covered on a number of different ways, but uh, we cover it when you're moving it over land too.
0: So, truck and trailers covered typically, right? In your your automotive policy, typically. Typically depends. But if I'm hauling some sort of goods on that mm, goods it's not, aren't covered. That's right. So we that's when you inform me and we actually whatever this is, which you can explain right yeah. now.
1: So Well if your trailer's over three thousand pounds, we have to we have to add it and and schedule it. I, I suggest you schedule every trailer. Uh, there won't be a charge in anything other than three thousand pounds, but you want to to schedule it to make sure it's covered. Schedule it just means list it. Put it on the auto. Yep. 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 Also get get together with your agent and make sure that all of the I have people that once in a while will find out that, you know, their company ABC Incorporated, uh, but they own the pickup personally. That's a problem. Yeah, You know, your insurance policy says we'll insure the named insured, which is on the front, ABC Incorporated. It doesn't say ABC Incorporated and uh, the owner or the owner's wife, or the owner's brother, or somebody's, you know. It just says ABC Incorporated. So if the vehicle is titled somewhere else, you need to fix it. And there's a number of different ways to fix that. But, you know, you can kind of see how it ends up working backwards to the beginning of all of the things. And, you know, some of it's free to, to just take care of. It doesn't really cost anything.
0: Yeah, I I was, I was uh, taken back by how naive I was about insurance. Because my whole life I'd never had an insurance uh, agent or broker that was like, hey... Dude, listen, this is this is what you're setting yourself up for, right? Uh, okay, so back to the canopies. Yep. That coverage, that that full coverage on a replacement cost. Okay, is that Garage Keepers? Is that no. what? What is that?
1: <clears throat> well, um, I have seen it on Garage Keepers for uh, like storage of uh, you know the canopies or storage of boat lifts or docks at your location. The problem is, is a garage keepers is very narrow. It's, uh, it's for vehicles, and the definition of vehicle is it doesn't include boat lifts. It's, it's pretty much self-propelled vehicles designed for uh, road use, for the most part. Yeah, you can get a boat in there, maybe, or trailers, uh, mini bikes, four wheelers, stuff like that. Uh, I've never seen anybody jump to a boat lift. So. So, so
0: what would a canopy and a boat lift? What, I mean, what? That's personal property, or Pers- how does that work? So what is that? Uh, what is that just a policy, or is it like I, I I'm just trying to clarify garage keepers versus Baileys versus.
1: There's two different. Uh, you can do it on personal property of others and get replacement cost while well, it's in your. You know, if you get a tornado comes through and takes you out, I would rather have it on replacement cost. Cost you a little bit more. A Baileys is a, a form of storage for other people's property. Uh, you could insure it there too, but that's not an actual cash value. So they're going to get you know, cost new less depreciation. Uh most of the time when you have somebody else's stuff they're not really pleased with that. So that's I, I don't really suggest doing it that way. I like it on the personal property of others. The the benefit of a Bailey's is you can cover it anywhere. You know, if you if you cover it on the way from the lake, um or or a show or wherever you're you know taking it you can you can kind of spread it. But it is on an actual cash value. So I prefer the replacement cost.
0: Anything more to add on that, or otherwise, I kind of want to talk about uh, the need for the typical dock and lift company that you see to have an umbrella policy.
1: Well, I think an umbrella policy is is quite important. You know, it depends. I mean, it's it's a it's a personal thing, but i I like to see them just because uh, you know you can have some pretty horrendous things happen. I mean, if a if you haul one of those twenty four thousand pound or twenty four thousand uh, dollar boat lifts. Uh, I'd imagine they're pretty heavy. Falls off and hits my family on the road. Now I've got some issues. I'm getting into you. You know, it kind of it kind of depends on what your your tolerance is uh, on something like that. Nobody has enough tolerance. You know, it's it it'd be very expensive just because it's bulky and big and uh, it's it just it's just dangerous to to forego an umbrella.
0: Okay, so if you can, just for the listeners. Uh, Just short and sweet. Umbrella policy is what?
1: An umbrella policy is a liability that goes over your automobile, your general liability, and your employer's liability, which is a piece of your uh, workers' compensation. I highly suggest it because, like I said, typically we run a million dollars on the auto, a million dollars on the uh, general liability, and you'll see 500, mostly 500,000 on the uh, employer's liability liability. But the employer's liability is actually uh, really important because uh, that's that's when you are negligent, the 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 ceiling gets pretty high on them really quick. There's a, another part that is workers' compensation that's uh, very controlled by the state, but it's that employer's liability where if you do something dangerous and uh, you know operating a barge with a with a you know forks and a uh, moving pieces, it can get dangerous. So, I mean, hopefully we never experience it, but that's where you get into the umbrella, I think.
0: So do you think an umbrella has anything to do with like I'm gonna to talk to you about DOT here in a second, but does is there any relevance to, you know, having an umbrella policy to is there a baseline like if you own a half million dollars in real estate or you have this or you have is it more just your threshold? What's your threshold it's, for, you know, some sort of lawsuit or your liability?
1: I I think it's a combination. I I like I said, I don't think I don't think we know very many people that have a $2 million threshold. So, I mean, the cost of an umbrella is maybe, a, you know, on an average company, two, you know, 1000 to $2,000 for a million bucks. You know, things like DOT, if your truck isn't DOT, could that be, uh, you know, brought back to you and say that you were negligent? You know, that's normally where they get in is, you know, you didn't check your brakes or you're hauling too big of a load. You know, you have 26,000 pounds, you have to have CDL. Somebody's driving a bigger, and you get a heavier load, could have a problem. That would be, I think, negligence. So,
0: okay, so you brought up two two words here: DOT negligence. So, everybody in the dock and lift game, uh, I would I would say probably the majority of of everybody in the dock and lift game is skirting around the fact of do I get DOT at the last Nelso show, right? Uh, I guess the first one, the DOT uh, trainers that were there or officers by far the busiest scheduled talk that we had and and i think that um the whole negligence factor if you could just kind of give an insurance standpoint of how this really goes down and why maybe an umbrella policy and the correct insurance policy maybe you if you're not dot maybe you should seriously consider getting dot today for your protection if you just kind of go down that road for a minute or two and just kind of give some explanation on that
1: Well, I'm not an expert on DOT. Um, I know just enough about it to know where you have to have your your different uh, types of licenses and uh, how important it is, especially when you get picked up. But, you know, buying a policy, um, we do underwriting. So we kind of check motor vehicle records of your drivers, and we kind of help police it a little bit. We want you to follow DOT because uh, most of the negligence happens because someone did something that they shouldn't you know accidents a lot of them are preventable and uh you know it's just a you know a slip in the thought i suggest having an umbrella just because it just gives you a little bit of breathe room you know if something does bad happen how much do you want to be on the hook for right you know
0: what what percentage of and i don't even know if you can share this but what percentage do you think of your existing clients have an umbrella policy
1: Ah, about 95. Really? About it's 95%. Yeah. I've only seen an umbrella pay out twice in my career of 31 years. Interesting. But when they pay out, it's ugly. It's not cheap. It's ugly.
0: P- protecting your client, essentially, doing yeah. the best it can.
1: Yeah. it's It's a bad deal.
0: Okay. So moving on from that and going to why do insurance companies, some insurance companies, drop you okay we're talking about risk and maybe it's not even risk but this is my perception okay so a company uh, you know charges uh this bigger dock and lift company 30 grand a year right they got general liability they probably have an umbrella policy They're a bigger outfit uh they go have an accident as soon as they have an accident they drop them what what what's the difference and why does that happen is it is it risk or they've done does it build up do they have analytics that does like give us a snapshot
1: i would say uh Analytics, um, very small percentage. Uh, I would say their business isn't much different than yours. If you have a client that doesn't pay you, do you get rid of them?
0: Interesting, really?
1: Yeah, you don't go back. So is it based
0: on weight? Is it
1: based on...
0: Eh, it's mostly,
1: just- you know, you can get by with late if you're late every month. Yeah, I mean, if you're... same thing with you. I mean, if I don't pay my bill, uh, if you, you want to get your spring bill paid in November... When it's time to go off the other way, you get sick of it. The insurance companies kind of work that too. Hmm. The difference is if you don't do a good job, you know, you know, if you're not safe, if uh, if you don't follow DOT, if uh, you know, there's just a lot of different factors. How safe are you? Yeah. What kind of operation do you run? If I run out there and I see a whole bunch of stuff, just like, you know, the premises is just a mess. Well, they probably will assume that's how you run your business. They want good. They want good operators. You're an excellent, excellent operator. I can see that. Uh, one of the, actually one of the uh, founding principles of an insurance carrier writing it, I don't mean to put you on the spot, was uh, when they bought a barge, they had to be trained by you. Yep. They wanted We want the training. I don't yep. want you to put somebody out. It's the quickest way to get canceled. Put somebody out on a barge, running a barge that doesn't know what he's doing.
0: And that's getting harder and harder to do today, and I don't do it with everybody. And I mean, yep. you know, we do, we try to do that, and we try to, you know, go have a meeting at Nelson and all those things, but it's, I, I get where you're coming from. It's, it's, what did you call, what's the terminology? Sophisticated user.
1: Sophisticated user.
0: That's I love you that know. terminology.
1: Well, a sophisticated user, just, that's more, uh, that's when you should know better. right. So it's a it's a, it's actually sophisticated user doctrine. You're getting into lawyer stuff now. <laughs> but sophisticated user doctrine says somebody should know better. They've, they've been around it long enough that they should know better. If you've been, uh, you know, working on a barge, running the forklift, and you did something really stupid, sophisticated user doctrine would say, you know, you should have known better. You can't claim now that, you know, you were hurt right. or you hurt someone else. If one of the employees ran a, you know, ran out and got hurt, and they know that they've been around the barge long enough, you might be able to use it from a liability or products damage, products liability. It's a good idea that you remember that. It's, <laughs> I'm impressed. So
0: what, um, is there any determining factors? Or how, how does an insurance, uh, and I know you touched on this, how does an insurance company determine if a company is safe? How do they have any clue? Is it, is it based on because they're late and they're just making assumptions? Or is nope. there other things
1: that... They'll do inspections. You know, we, we pull everything from pulling your motor vehicle records. We look at your driver, your driver, you know, who who drives for you and what kind of uh, driving records do they have? What are your losses? You'll, you'll ask, almost everybody will ask for loss runs. They're looking for what kind of claims did you have? Were, were they claims that are, you know, minor or there's no claims or there's claims all the time well there's claims all the time i mean in our business when you start having claims uh frequency develops into severity if you have a lot of little ones you're just waiting for the big one yeah they'll stay away from that same thing with pricing that's how pricing gets negotiated too the safer you are and the better you run the more leverage you have to buy people think it's uh you know taking it and going out to four or five carriers you know that's uh that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is, is to form a relationship and negotiate. you know try to get somebody that can negotiate for you based on your history. Yeah, once in a while you have to move. but most of the time uh shopping it out, you become you could become nothing more than a commodity and you know what that's like. you ever had anybody that gets your price and they call you every year for your price and you never get it pretty soon you're well, why come out and look at it right? It's the same thing for insurance mm-hmm. It's relationship. So that's what I find anyway.
0: I agree. I like the uh I, I I like the relationship factor as a business owner. Andy and I have had this conversation many times about you specifically, just that relationship. And it's it's so nice to be able to lean on somebody that you know is a professional and they're educated and they know they know the ins and the outs just to protect you and your business because as a business owner there's tons of risk, there's tons of liability, all these different things that you have to watch out for and there's there's no better decision in my mind than to hire a sophisticated uh, educator like yourself and get get yourself educated, right? Yeah. And so True. you know that you can teach yourself or have somebody teach you so that you can make an educated decision.
1: Yeah, so. and just this conversation kind of scares me how much you've listened over the last six
0: years. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I, I pay attention. You do? I do. Uh, I don't know. Anything else, Andy, that you have? Dave, anything you want to touch on as no. far as?
1: Oh, it's been a pleasure. Awesome.
0: I, uh, I don't know if you want to... I know that Dilly Insurance Brokers is, uh, was a sponsor and a, a Nelso partner, and we appreciate it. Thank you very much. You can find uh, Dave's information and his link on nelso.net, so you can go there and do that. Uh, you can find us uh, Spotify, uh, Google Play. Where else can they find us? Yeah, podcast, Apple Podcasts. So hit us up if you uh, have any comments Let us know. We'd love to, uh, you know, topics or anything. We'd love to, uh, do that. And Dave, thank you so much for coming today.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you.